Welcome to the Date Book Podcast. I'm your host, theater critic Lily Janik, and I'm here to talk to you today about Denmo Ebrahim, who's a local theater artist who I first encountered in, well, I'd heard her name just all over the Bay Area theater scene for years, of course, because she's been a fixture um, for over a decade. But it was my true delight to see her in a production called Our Enemies, Lively Scenes of Love and Combat, which was by Golden Thread Productions. And she played this author character who, from the first scene, without even talking that much, she just conveyed her character's naive expectation and hopefulness. Um, she really thought this interaction with this publisher would go so well. And again, without words, she just kind of magically gave the scene comic stakes. And then I got to see her again in ACT's A Thousand Splendid Sons, where she played kind of a smaller ensemble role, and that was last year, and now the show has come back to the Geary, and she's in the lead. And at some point recently interviewing Carrie Perloff, who just stepped down as ACT's artistic director, Carrie mentioned offhand that um, Denmo had this, this skincare line that she runs. And that kind of blew me away because, of course, so many Bay Area theater artists have to find some other way to supplement their income. But this is not a side job that Denmo has. Uh, her, her spa is called Earth Body. It's based in Hayes Valley. And she was actually just featured in the Chronicle style section for her business's use of CBD oils. And she has a skincare line called Ohm Cali. She just kind of has these multiple separate lives and not very many people really know her in multiple contexts. They just know her in one. So we thought she was a perfect candidate for the Chronicle series, The Artist's Life, about how artists make it work. And here we go. Hello, Denmo. Welcome to the Chronicle. Hello, Lily. Thank you for having me. So why don't we first talk about how you got into theater in the first place um, sure. and like what, what you get out of it. Why okay. you lo- I presume you love it because people don't really do theater unless they love it. So <laughs> I, I'd love to hear just what you love about it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, I guess uh, maybe to start about how I got into theater, um, I, I had dreams of becoming an Olympic gymnast and uh, that didn't really pan out. Um, I um, and so you know, as a kid, I was I was raised by um, an immigrant mother, and you know, as the child of immigrant parents, there's this real uh, feeling of just assumed everyone's childhood was that that way. Um, and I had a, an an injury in gymnastics and a lot of rehab and some surgery, and so that dream kind of faded away. And I'm not really sure if that could have ever been, but that was my trajectory. 
And um, the only other thing that came to me was sort of this idea of, you know, instead of choosing a profession, that theater held all the professions. You know, I could play a doctor, I could play a nurse, I could play. And so it was a really... Um, a sense of play that brought me into the world of theater. And it was interesting, you know, I think when I realized that I wanted to pursue it in college and grad school as a teen, um, it was really heartbreaking for my mom. You know, she came to the States and she's like, no, I don't want you to be unemployed. <laughs> um, but she saw that I had talent. And then what, it was... She really came to the States from... Egypt. <laughs> yeah. And so my brother and I were born in New York and... Um, all our family is still there in Cairo. So we were really the, you know, the first ones to kind of have an American upbringing. And so my mom really negotiated about what, what does that mean um, to have so much tradition, but also to really want and encourage a new life. And for her daughter to be an artist was really just something I don't think she had thought of. But I, I also feel that once she recognized my love for it. It was, it was undeniable. And so she really supported me in that pursuit. It's interesting, you know, I, for all the different things I've done, I, I, feel really, I feel really grateful to have been trained in the arts because it taught me how to think. It didn't just teach me what to do, but how to, how to think in the world. And um, I guess, you know, to your question of what is it about theater that keeps me coming back, I, I guess it would be, it is the place and space that feels the most vulnerable for me. And, um, you know, in a world where I, I genuinely like to achieve things, I want to be successful, in theater I never feel that way. It, it feels like the undoing of something. Um, when you have an, a live audience in front of you, you can't lie you get that direct response. And so, um, you know, f f for me, I always want to be growing. You know, whatever I'm doing, as long as I'm growing, then it feels like it's worth it. And in theater, that barometer is always alive. That's so incredibly beautifully put. And yet you have, of course, achieved things in theater. My relationship to theater has been really interesting, you know, because I, I went to a conservatory for acting in Boston. And most of the roles I was cast in was either uh, the mistress, the whore, or the servant. And so I came out oh. as a 21-year-old thinking those were the only roles I could ever be cast in. It wasn't until I went into grad school, I studied uh, sort of a Lecoq-based pedagogy, that I, for the first time could not, was not looking at myself as an image of what I look like, but more of what kinds of images can I create with the body. It was so freeing to feel that for once in my life, I could not, I would not be defined by my brown skin or my curves or because I wasn't skinny or I wasn't old or I wasn't young, but that I could really find rhythm and movement and ensemble to create story. And it was incredibly empowering to come out of that experience. So, so I mean, in terms of success in theater, I don't really think of myself as successful in theater. Even though, you know, you're playing the Geary right now. <laughs> well, no big deal. No big deal. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, um, it's recent, you know, that there's been a real shift. I mean, I, I've been in San Francisco for 14 years. And when I moved here, I moved here to start a theater company. Right. That was Mugwumpin? That was Mugwumpin. It was with Christopher White and Joseph Eslack. 
And that was in like 2002? 2003. Three? Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, for five years, we developed a language and a process. We created original works of art. We developed everything from the ground up, and we built a name for ourselves. It was it was amazing. Um, and, you know, in that time, I had always, you know, my pursuit as an actor was sort of on hold, even though I was acting. I was a producer. I was a co-creator. You know, I was a co-artistic director. So acting wasn't first. It was I see. a part of the situation. And um, at the same time, you know, I had my own personal interests. I, I would go away once a, for a month every year for a retreat, a meditation retreat. And, you know, I couldn't find a job that would ever give me a month off. <laughs> that, you know, I can't say I have either. Yeah. Hey, Chronicle, come on. <laughs> Let, I'll, I'll have four weeks off, please, for entry level, whatever it is, you know. Um, so I realized that I had to figure out a, a job situation that would be conducive to the lifestyle I knew I needed and wanted. What I had been doing was I would get a job and then I would quit and I'd go on my <laughs> retreat and then I'd come back and then I'd find a new job. That, that sounds like a lot of churning in one's life. <laughs> exactly. It was really tumultuous. I was like, here I am. I'm really creatively, I'm really happy and fulfilled, but I hadn't really thought about livelihood much. And I hadn't really even considered um, compromising my needs for my retreat time to just have a job. And so many other people would consider compromising their needs. Uh, what, what do you think it is about you that made you just be like, no, I'm, this, this is what I need? I, I, I feel it's because of my training as an artist. Because as an artist, you are constantly asking to propose what do you want the space to be what is it that you like when you when you're looking at a text what is really happening here or when you're working in ensemble theater you know what is the story you want to create you're always being asked what do you want what do you want and then refining that so the beginning begins with what do you see and how can you make that be and to train in that vocabulary for years affected how I was in the world. I didn't assume that whatever I was handed was going to be good enough. I always assumed that my work in the world was to create my world. And that's actually what I did. This is the perfect segue into Earth, Body, and Om Kali. Is that's am, right, am I yeah. saying that correctly? Om Kali, yeah. So tell me about starting... Now, they're not separate businesses. They're intertwined. They're both. So they are technically separate okay. companies, um, but they started intertwined okay. and they work together. So um, Earth Body Day Spa is a small organic day spa I started during that time when I was really figuring out what am I going to do for work here? Um, and I, you know, I got trained as a body worker. I started seeing clients. Oh, what is a body worker? Oh, it's a massage therapist. Okay. Um, and a body worker is synonymous with massage therapist. You can say a body worker incorporates different modalities, energy work, um, you know, Thai, Swedish. That there's more of a, you know, a, a, a fuller sense than just massage with body work. Yeah. So I, I decided to have a skill. You know, I realized I didn't have a skill. And so I was like, let me train in something that I can take anywhere with me. 
And mm-hmm. because I had spent so many years studying the body, studying something around the body, did not feel that different. Um, so I became licensed, and for the first time in my life, I was able to set my own hours, see clients during the day, and have rehearsal at night. And at this time in my life, and Mugwumpin was full-time in the evening, at this time in my life, I really thought I had made it. Yeah. It was everything I wanted. But then something started to happen. Uh, I was really talented at bodywork, and people started telling other people, and um, in six months' time, I was renting this... uh, I was renting a room in an acupuncture clinic in Hayes Valley twice, twice a week, and then eventually moved to uh, four times a week. And then eventually I rented a one-bedroom apartment in Hayes Valley for an office space. I didn't even think of a commercial space. I just thought, well, that'll just be where I work. And in six months' time, I had more... I, had, I was fully booked a month in advance with a waiting list. <laughs> With no advertisement <laughs> and no website. And I didn't even think of myself for years into it. I never, I never used the word entrepreneur or even business. It was just my work. It was just my job. It never occurred to you put, to put those labels on it? No, it didn't. It, just, it, was, it was something I was good at. It was how I was making money and it was supporting. It never felt divorced from my love. And I guess, you know, as a side note... I, I just wish everyone could have an arts education because it also put love at the center of how I make choices. I couldn't, I can't, I still can't. Like a part of me feels like I'm unemployable. I can't <laughs> just get a job. I can't do it. But I, am, I have no problem working. As long as the work I do, I can believe in. And so, you know, body work and healing and health were very much related to my own health and Um, figuring things out with my own body. So it was an easy conversation to have. And once that earth body started really blowing up, I was being asked to step into something else for some time. And so earth body took a primary focus for many years. Um, I stepped out of earth, I stepped out of Mugwumpin and um, Chris led the company for a few more years before he passed it on again. Uh, Earth body became, you know, I moved into a commercial space. I only because I had to, and I couldn't see more people. I trained other therapists in what I was doing, which I never gave language to, which later I discovered was a brand and a culture. And only because I had to articulate it for the first time, I realized I had actually created a world. And um, there was a space on Laguna and Hayes that had just opened up. It was a three-room practice um, that I uh, stepped into. And over that time, now we employ 20 employees, 12 of which are therapists, four receptionists. You know, we have managers, and me and my husband run that space. And when did you purchase, or uh, sorry, when, when did you acquire that space? Earth body began technically in 2005 with just me. I think it was 2007 that we got into uh, 534 Laguna. Wow. <laughs> and, and tell me about the, the skincare line as well. So, um, and this is, you know, this is the, this is the problem with passion 
it's also, you know, okay, on the one hand, everything you do feels like it can enrich each other. So in, in a sense, your life can actually be a mandala and there is no division. That's the good thing. The bad thing is when you have passion for something, you can start a million little fires. And the product line was a little bit like that, where, you know, I was, I was working on people, but it wasn't just enough to have touch. I felt like I needed something else that they could take home or something else that they could use in session that would, um, that would promote their wellness, that would continue to link what happened in session at home. And so I started making small batches of skincare one by one. Again, never really thinking of a plan, a future, just one by one. But then people wanted to take them home and people were asking for them and spas were calling and suddenly it became, I had to streamline the situation. I studied in Ayurveda and all the formulations I was making of that were one-offs for people, I started to find a common language. You know, what are the roots of wellness? What are the roots of illness? And then come up with herbal formulations that could that many people could enjoy. So Om Kali Sacred Skincare was eventually born. And um, they were the products we were using in session. But eventually we, we started with a small manufacturing space in the mission. And then that manufacturing space moved to Petaluma. And during that time, we were getting more calls for the product line. One of them was Whole Foods. Whole Foods wanted the line in their stores. And we worked with them for many years. And, you know, that also became a thing where I was traveling and speaking at uh, wellness conventions and skincare um, conventions. And as a side note, I have spent... Um, 20 years on the stage and there is nothing more terrifying than public speaking. (laughs) And it was really through the skincare line that that gave me the opportunity to be in front of people as an expert in wellness. So the terrifying part about it is that you have to be an expert or is it something else as opposed to acting? It's it's more that um, it's a different kind of transparency than on stage. On stage, you have the container of a script and the transparency is leaning into that language with a true kind of, um, I would say, you know, emotional realism or the choices and that you're making. But with uh, public speaking, you're creating the entire experience. It is your rhythm and your intonation and your physicality and your message and your story that either lands or does not land. And we know this. We can hear speakers up there when we're, we have chills and other ones that there's a wall you can't penetrate. When I would practice, you know, my story and, you know, the, the piece, I, every single time I'd be in tears. And I don't know why. It just felt so naked to not have a play in front of me, you know, to not have a set in front of me. But to be up there as Denmo, to use my real name, and to have a, you know, a topic that I had written and to have 100 or 200 people in the audience that are starting their careers in skincare or wellness. And here I am with a history in theater, no <laughs> chemistry, to be the one up there. You know, it was really, um, I think, you know, this theme that I've been thinking a lot about, and I think it comes up for artists, is this idea of the fraud, you know, that, you know, who are you? to be in this, in these shoes. Um, for imposter all the, syndrome. Imposter, yeah, exactly. I'm a business owner. You know, I'm playing the lead at ACT. I've started a small little company. I also have a skincare line. And in any of those veins, it's sort of, you know, it, 
one might think that they would need to be built in a perfect trajectory. But how I arrived in all of them were um, sort of inspired by each other in a very strange way. So I would imagine that you have no typical day, no (laughs) typical work day. Is that accurate? That is true. So maybe could you give me a sense of like, if not a typical day, then maybe either a really good day or a really bad day as you might try to work in all your different work lives at once? You know, it it feels a little bit like the things I have put my toe in, they're all growing. And it's sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder to navigate how to do all of that well. One of the things that's been incredible about working on A Thousand Splits and Sons at the Old Globe, which was the, we we toured for Calgary, but because this role was uh, such a substantial role, and I was sort of surprised, because I just haven't done it in a long time, to focus on one thing all day. I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. It just felt so different because I'm constantly switching hats between managing people, uh, promoting the brand, uh, preparing for a project, uh, pitching myself for a project, working out um, clients that are upset, imagining the next uh, product that we might formulate, working on budget, um, dreaming about what do I really want my life to look like in the next two years? What do I need to phase out? What do I need to step into? so, you know, I, my husband is an incredible human being and he really balances my, you know, vision. You said he runs the business with you? Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he allows me, because of him, he can really take on so much more of the operation and I can step back. So that's how it works out when you tour to Calgary or San Diego. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you ever feel like... um the skills you have as a CEO and the the skills you have as an actor, um, do they overlap? Do they um, build on each other? Or are they really just two different mindsets? That's a really good question. Um, I feel like the confidence that I've developed naturally as a CEO, of course, comes with me as an actor. And yet I feel like as an actor, there are some skills that I don't feel like I'm actually very good at. Like I'm not a very, I'm not good at auditioning. I'm also not very good at being in the background and um, taking things step by step. Because I am a leader, I like to take the reins. And sometimes I feel as an actor that can actually not work in your favor because theater, traditional theater, American theater has a hierarchy. And, um, you know, there's a director, there's a playwright, you know, in Europe, it's a little different. Um, and there's an actor. And so it's, um, and I love that actually, I love being able to know that I just need to take care of my part. Yeah. You don't have to lead for once. I don't have to lead. And it's a, it's such a, it's such a joy to know that so many other people are, have an equal, if not more of an investment in what you're all co-creating. Um, so in that way, there feels a little bit of a difference. Um, but the, the parts that I think really encourage one another is sort of this, you know, both of them require vision and heart and, um, you know, those things to me are, they come first and they, I I think that's, that's just been the life that has always been important to me that no matter what, 
that it was always going to be heart-centered. And so in that way, I feel very successful. How many people in your life really know both these different spheres of your life? Oh, it's such a good question. Or is it just like you and your husband and everybody else pretty much knows you as either the CEO and skincare expert or the actor? Generally speaking, I think those worlds, or at least I've, I think I've tried to keep them separate, mainly because I don't think, uh, I think it's hard for others to grasp. And I don't know if it's always important. Mm. I don't know if it's important that they know those parts of me. It's not that they're hidden, but, you know, my close circle, of course, knows the different facets of me. Um, but it, it's, sometimes it's hard to shake off the one that's looking at the big picture all the time, the CEO, and the actor that's l- looking um, sort of down the rabbit hole. You know, it's a totally different lens. It's always been a, um, you know, I've spent all this time branding Earth Body and Om Cali, and I think of Denmo, and I, I think it's, I, I don't know who I, like, I don't know what my brand is as a Denmo, you know what I mean? <laughs> because it's so, there's so many parts of me um, that I, I can't tie them together. And, you know, I've said this in other things I've talked about, but it's like, I don't need to. I don't need to put it on a business card, and I don't need to define them. And I still feel that way. Uh, you know, I have this whole life as a writer that I feel like is in some ways hidden and secret because um, it's not as out there as some of the other things that I do. What kind of writing? They're sort of, um, you know, creative nonfiction. They're stories. They're stories. You know, at the heart of it, I think one of my greatest talents, if I'm completely honest, is as a storyteller. But it, the, the time that that takes and the quiet that's necessary for it is it's just a different container. So it'll it'll emerge as it as it's, is needed or as time will allow it. And I think that's a great note to close on because you've really come up for yourself with such a creative way to, to piece mm-hmm. all that together. I mean, a spa and a skincare line and a career on the stage. Mm. Thank you for joining us at the Chronicle here today, Denmo. Thank you, Lily, for having me. It was wonderful. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is by Stephen Boyle. This show is produced by me. For more theater coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at Lily Janik. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. ¶¶